Well, let me have you turn in your Bibles tonight to Acts 23 first. Our text is going to be Acts 27. But let's begin uh, with the Lord's words to Paul in Acts 23. And that'll be a good starting point for us here tonight. Good to have uh, Jonathan, Katie, Switzer, and family here with us, missionaries to South Africa. Also good to have our guest here. We have several visiting here with it being a holiday weekend. Uh, many families traveling in from out of town uh, to see your family here. We're, we're glad that you're here. And so welcome. Uh, with Jonathan and Katie, we're down in Ufala this morning. Isn't that right? And so they're traveling around on deputation. So pray for their continued safety if you would. Let's look at one verse in Acts 23, verse 11. So Acts 23 and verse 11, you would remember if you've been with us in our series here, you just are a Bible reader, that Paul is facing um, trial after trial and situation. And so things have become very difficult, of course, for Paul at this point. And so in Acts 23 and verse 11, it says this, And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said... Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. So the Lord stood by him and said, Paul, you've been faithful to bear witness here. You will bear witness. That's the word of the Lord Jesus to Paul. You will bear witness at Rome. Now, the reason that's significant is we turn to Acts chapter 27, if you would please now. In Acts chapter 20, 27, of course, we're reading about the story of Paul's voyage to Rome. And we're going to see in, in tonight's text that they are caught by a fierce storm. And all hope seems to be gone that they would even survive. But Paul had the word of the Lord on it. So it really didn't matter how bad it looked. He had the Lord Jesus' word on it. And Jesus is as good as his word. And so he could trust in the midst of the, the desperation of those experienced sailors. Here's a Baptist preacher who's fine. Yeah. Okay, Acts 27 and verse, let's begin reading in verse number 5. Acts 27, 5. Luke writing, and Luke was with them, so he's given an extended uh, explanation. He says, And when we had sailed over the Sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us in, therein. And when we had sailed s slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Nidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmon. And hardly passing it came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent... And when sailing, everybody watch this now, when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to, to winter in, the more part advised to depart. Thence also, <coughs> pardon me, thence also, if by any means they might attain to Finnis and there to winter, which is an haven of Crete, 
and lieth toward the southwest and northwest, so on the other side, basically, of the island from where they were at this current time. We pick up the story now in verse number 13. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. Now, that's not a statement about ladies driving. I just want to be clear there. <laughs> Sorry, focus. Verse 16. And running under a certain island, we, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by uh, by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should, be, should fall into the quicksands, strike sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, in other words, an incredibly hard storm, lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after a long abstinence, after they hadn't eaten a long time, the sailors, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. You, I mean, what's he saying? I told you so, yeah. <laughs> he is. You should have hearkened unto me. I believe he's building credibility and they would listen to him. And not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And, and now... I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. I love these next words, don't you? For I believe God. That ought to be a song, shouldn't it? I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. And we'll stop our reading there. The story does go on, of course. But tonight, I want us to consider from this text the point of desperation. But more specifically, as believers, the hope we have at the point of desperation. Maybe you've been there before, desperation, where it just looked very bleak. If you haven't, just wait. <laughs> oh, this is encouraging, isn't it? You'll, you'll get there at some time. And I don't know how long it'll last, but all of us hit those, what we would call maybe the storms of life, and they just set in on us. And I'm trusting that God can use this to be a real encouragement, because right here in our congregation here, as is not really too uncommon, but uh, 
at the same time, there are seasons in which there's maybe more storms on certain families within our church family than at other times. And this would be one of those seasons where there's some families that have been caught in a storm. And so I trust it will be an encouragement to them and that God would use us as some agents of hope to be an encouragement to them. May God bless the reading of his word as your seed will get into the message tonight. Well, the exhortation last week was simple, simply this, get on board with God's will. Get on board with God's will. And I'm sure that, that as you have had times of doing that, getting on, boards with God, getting on board with God's will, that you have seen that being in God's will does not make you immune from trouble. In many regards, when you get on board with God's will, it brings additional trouble your way because you're trying to serve the Lord. Maybe you've seen those video uh, clips of a guy getting the ball, you know, football season, you know, started and a guy running the wrong way with the ball. You ever seen that? You get a little bit, you know, turned around. Well, the other team, they're not going to stop him. Let him run. If you're going the wrong way, man, they'll let you just keep running. But when you turn around and try to come the way of the end zone, then you're going to face opposition. That's, that's just for sure. And so being in God's will does not make you immune from the troubles that would come in this life, but it does give you the help that is necessary for life. Luke does. He, I mean, here you see chapter 27. It's 44 verses long about their voyage. And, and Luke doesn't always do that. I mean, we read through, through some other chapters in Acts where he's rather just to the point we sell from here to here and it doesn't go into great detail. And by the way, this is not the first time Paul has experienced uh, significant storms at sea. I mean, he's been, he's been at sea a night and a day. I mean, he, he's an experienced man when it comes to sailing. And, but in this case, Luke goes into great detail. Maybe it's just simply because he was there. And if you and I were there, we'd probably tell it with the same detail if you came to the point. I mean, if I could really describe it tonight, the way that this storm really played out in their life, I, I think that if you were there, you would use great detail. For sure. I've got just a little bitty story I'm going to tell tonight that doesn't even come close, and I could add a lot of I could add a lot of detail. I could give a lot of detail to it. I could add a lot, but preaching. So <laughs> basically, this this chapter has one main point. We were in a desperate situation, but God came through for us. I mean, that's the simple point. And so there is a danger of over applying it and and getting into spiritualizing everything, and so I'm certainly not interested in doing that. But the storms of life, the storm, the physical storm here, is used in Scripture, and it certainly does show the type of response that we can just simply have to the storms that you and I will face, because I dare say that unless you just get out on Hefner at the wrong time, probably we're not going to experience, and even there you're, you could be fine, you're not going to be at sea facing nautical storms and situations like that. But you will face storms of life. One writer said this about the book of Acts. Here we are just about to finish up the book of Acts. And, and he says, you know, the, the journey uh, theme has been a reoccurring theme. But then he also said this. He said, uh, John Polhill said, again and again, the apostles and Paul are depicted in extreme circumstances. In prison, 
under the sentence of death, stoned by angry mobs. Always they were delivered. Listen to this. Never for who they were, but always for what they proclaimed. It was not the apostles who triumphed in Acts. It was the gospel that triumphed in Acts. Now, we have, you know, the title of your, your Acts title. It says Acts of the Apostle. Really, it would be better titled this way, Acts of the Holy Spirit or Acts of God in the lives of the apostles. And so I understand what it's saying, but really it was God. And, and thus he went on that there is a triumphalism in Acts. But it's not a human triumphalism. It's not humans overcoming, but rather it's this. It's God triumphalism. It is God overcoming and working on behalf of the gospel in the lives of humans. So that's what we see. And so I believe this chapter is intended by God to be an encouragement to us as modern-day believers and followers of the Lord Jesus who at times will find ourselves, yes, in a set of circumstances that are, that are different by the nature of it, but yet can conjure up in us the same feelings of anxiety and desperation. They, they can come to our lives as well. But I believe the point of the story is simply this, that regardless of how extreme your situation may be and how seemingly hopeless it may be, God is still sovereign and can bring you through it. He can. Now, it would be inaccurate for me to state tonight that God always delivers believers. That would be an inaccurate statement. He does not always deliver believers in the sense that maybe we think, like he's always going to deliver them from storms, always going to deliver them from stoning. No, Stephen died. And yet God was at work, and yet God was sovereign, and yet Stephen died. So some, sometimes, just I think because we like life nice, that we get in our minds that, well, if I'm serving God, even though I go through a hard time, and even though the doctor says this, or even though this has happened, or you know, whatever the situation is, I believe ultimately I'm going to be delivered from that. Well, I, I don't think it's wrong to pray to that end, but it doesn't always happen that way. But that does not mean in any way that God is not sovereign. He's always sovereign. He was sovereign when Job lost his kids and when he lost his wealth. God was still sovereign. And it wasn't that Job was sinning against God. No, he was a righteous man. And, and others misunderstood why Job was going through that and made really the situation even harder on Job. But, but nonetheless, God was sovereign. And so I believe it is an accurate statement to say there's nothing that can come to your life or to my life or our church's life or, or whatever that does not pass through the awareness of a sovereign, all-knowing God. That is not to say that he causes all things, and especially in the form of like wrong decisions that people would make and, and evil that people would do and thus the consequences that would come to that. No, he's not the author of evil, but he's so sovereign that he allows people to have their own way. So even in this passage, we've seen that God has been sovereign, even though man has been extremely sinful towards Paul and falsely accused him and mistreated him and did all these evil things. We're talking about human wickedness, evil, and yet God is still sovereign. 
You know, some, because here, here's the deal. You know, some people can get in our minds, well, if God is sovereign, how do you explain the wickedness of Hitler? He's still sovereign. Hitler's still evil. But God is still sovereign. So even in the midst of human wickedness and sinfulness, again, he's not causing that, but he is still sovereign. And natural disasters and life in a fallen world and, and all these things that, that take place in our life and even uh, humans who make wrong decisions as is here. They set out on this journey. I mean, but God is still sovereign. And see, so, you know, I know that here's what we do. We, we can do this. We can say, well, you know, I got in this traffic jam and, and God no doubt was sparing me from a wreck because, you know, a few miles down the road, I mean, there was this tremendous wreck. And, and if I had been there at that time, that could have been me. Well, listen, you ought to look at it and say, thank God that he spared me. Thank God that he saved me. Thank God that he delivered me from that. Thank God for the traffic jam. But there's also somebody that was in that wreck. And God is still sovereign in their life, even though they were in the wreck. Do you get what I'm saying? This past week, um, I'm actually forgetting who it was I was speaking with right now, but, but I was speaking with someone whose, whose son worked in the uh, Twin Towers. And, uh, oh, I, I, I know it was, but you wouldn't know him. So, in any case, um, but their son worked in the Twin Towers uh, there in New York City. And they were working in Boston and they were terrified because the plane hit on that on a certain that certain floor of the floors and that was exactly where he worked well that morning he went to a different gym and worked out somewhere different than what he normally does and that put him behind otherwise he would have been there so we can look at that and say, well, God, God is in control, and yes, man was being wicked, but God was in control, and it spared this man here, but there are also people of his co-workers who died there. So we, we've got to embrace all of that. And, and I can't begin to explain, well, why one and not the other? And Jesus dealt with that, and because they said, you know, this wall, this tower fell. I'm thinking about Luke 13, and this tower fell, and they died, and the idea is they must have been sinners because look what happened to them. But Jesus said, I'll tell you except, you, except you all repent, you shall all likewise perish. We live in a fallen world where fallen men do sinful things, and yet God is still sovereign. Okay, we're going we're to see that tonight in this particular story. And, and what it's going to help us to do, I believe, is simply this. It will explain why in the midst of life's storms, we can have hope and peace even if things don't turn out right. I have a few thoughts that I want to get across here tonight. Just some practical insights based on the story. Not trying to spiritualize it in any way, but just, just some simple parallels to life that I believe will be a help to us. Number one, would you agree with this statement tonight? That things can go from being smooth to tempestuous very quickly on the sea of life. They thought they had obtained their purpose. The winds were blowing softly. There was a south wind that was blowing. And they thought, see, everything's going to be fine. It was already, uh, you know, into the month there of October. The fast had already passed. And, and so, you know, now it was the dangerous season. But, you know, I mean, we got the south wind. It's looking okay. We can move ahead. In life, 
there are times the south wind is blowing. Now here in Oklahoma, we don't always like that south wind. Is that right? Because the south wind is hot. Right now, the north wind would sound pretty good, right? But there are times when life's going pretty smooth. Probably for the vast majority of us overall, I mean, you have some minor complications along with life. That's just life in a fallen world. But all of us are here tonight. I said we're all here. That's a blessing all by itself that we have the good health to be here tonight. You've got money. They say, I ain't got much of it, but you've got money. Pretty good cash flow, maybe some. Good relationships within family and friends. Things going well at work. Um, that would imply that you have a job. How many of you still need a job? Need a job. I'm talking to students. I'm talking to members of our church, okay? Needing work. Sure, sure. Anybody hiring? All right, okay. <laughs> but maybe you're at a season of life where really things are going well. I mean, even, you know, your teams have been winning. Or they got real close to winning last night. <laughs> things are going well. And, and there can be this sense that you suppose things will continue as they always have been. Don't we all think that? You know, I, I think there's just that underlying way of life. You know, things are always going to be this way, but they're not. They suppose that everything was coming along well, but storms have a way of creeping up on you, sneaking up on you, and they frustrate your purposes and can take you off course, off course in this sense, away from what's normal. I just asked somebody yesterday, how's things going? Or anything new, actually, is what I asked. Anything new? They said, no. I said, good. Sometimes that's a blessing. Anything new? Anything new? No, you know, pretty much everything's like it has been. Hey, you ought to thank God for that. He said, well, I, you know, it's kind of getting mundane. Well, listen, you don't want a storm, do you? Right? That didn't make it a little exciting, but I'm not sure that's exactly what you're looking for. Right? You know, sometimes normal is a blessing. Normal is a blessing. They suppose, I mean, they were even playing it safe. They were going by the island of Crete. They were staying close to the shore. They, there they were playing it safe. But it doesn't matter whether you're playing it safe or not. Storms can still come. Look back at our text here tonight and look at verse number 14. It says, but not long after. Not long after, there arose a storm. There arose. We're going to look at these words here tonight. There arose unexpectedly, dangerously strong winds blew upon their vessel. I'll never forget. Here's my fishing story. You ready? My one storm story. Uh, we were just out crappie fishing there on Lake Barkley in Kentucky. There's land between the lakes. Beautiful area. Uh, crappie capital of the world, they say. And so we were uh, fishing there, my dad, just my dad and I, in a, in a good-sized boat. He was going into commercial fishing, and so we had plenty of room and such. And, and, uh, and so we were fishing. We were out just uh, not really far from where we put in. But I mean, like, I've never seen it happen in Kentucky. A storm came on us, just seemingly out of the blue. I mean, we were still hauling in fish, and the storm just, boom, hit us. 
I mean, literally, we were not very far from, from where we backed our trailer in and could have easily got out. But the storm hit us at such a time and with such fury that all we could do was hold on to the log where we were fishing and ride it out. We literally saw a barge coming. I mean, the waves, I've never seen them on a little Lake Barkley quite like this. You know, I mean, come on, be, you know, you need to, like, feel the the fierceness of this storm. I mean, this is, yeah. Okay, good, thank you. It's making me feel better. And and so, but this barge, I mean, literally, as it's going, there's there's a 6880 that goes over Lake Barkley. And, and so this barge, literally, the, the the waves were so violent that he could only pull up and pull back and pull up and pull back because if he had tried to go under the bridge, it would have just caused him to knock himself into the bridge and collapse the bridge. I mean, it was a terrible storm, so we just held on for dear life. And here we are today. I made it. You'd be glad to know. <laughs> but I'm telling you, just that small little time on the lake brought fear and thinking, Dad, are we going to be all right here? Well, here they are on the Mediterranean, and there arose. The word arose is this. It's balo. It means to throw. So it's like the weather threw a storm at them. It's, um, the word balo is the word from which we get our word, our English word, ballistics, projectiles. Now I'm speaking some heart language for some men firearms, uh, the firing characteristics of a weapon, ballistics. Well, that's the idea. I mean, it's like this storm just boom came on them without any warning. Wall clouds forming. We know something about wall clouds here in Oklahoma, don't we? In Kansas, driving through Kansas on I-70 and going towards Colorado. And we saw a lowering coming in and had the radio on and it was looking dark and it was looking low. That's not a good combination. It was violent. The word tempestuous, you see there, an adjective. It's the word, actually the root of it is the word from which we get our word typhoon. Hurricane force. Strong, violent winds. Loanida said that the expressions for these strong winds differ on two important features. One would be the strength or violence of the wind. Two, this consideration, the duration of the wind. They said that in English terms, these terms, the squall or tornado, violent. I mean, we know, we know exactly what that's about. But the thing about a tornado that's different than a hurricane is the duration of it. I mean, it's incredible to my mind just the immense amount of damage that, that such violent wind can do in a short amount of time with a tornado. And then the hurricane, though, with some of the similar wind speeds, maybe not quite that much, but similar wind speeds, but the thing is, is that it just sets in on you, sets in on a place. And here they were at sea, and the Euroclidon, the northeast wind, or the north, out of the north, they had a south wind blow, but then just immediately it turned around, and now it's, it's pushing them uh, down and, and it's a violent north wind. It's, it's one that, that experienced sailors. I mean, if, if they heard that term, it was one that would, that would cause them, just like May 3rd, maybe that, just that date can cause some, or May 20th now, can cause some just to have instant fear. I mean, seriously, you think about those dates. Those of you that were here during those times, you know exactly what I'm talking about and what you do in those times is you take shelter. Well, when they heard Euro Clyden, then they knew exactly what that meant. It's exactly what they feared. 
Things can go from being calm to being frightening in a matter of minutes. One day, you have an emergency fund. The next day, you have an emergency. And your emergency fund is depleted. One day, you have perfect health. The next day, you're feeling things you had not before. You're going in to see the doctor, and things are quickly changing. One day you have a job, the next day you're laid off. One day things are fine in marriage, the next day they're not. One day you're going forward in your purpose in life, the next day you're not. One day things are normal, now you're losing sight in a hurry from things normal. One day the Twin Towers were standing, the next they're in rubble. Like that you're thrown into a storm. Verse 15, there's no steering out of it once it comes upon you. It says in verse 15 that they, the ship was caught, seized violently, dragged away, and thus all they could do is just let her drive, let it go. There's a certain sense of powerlessness there. There's nothing they could do to steer it. There's powerlessness. They know that they, they really need to head into the storm, but there's nothing they can do to, to be able to do that to get back to where they were. And is it not true that oftentimes the events of life that come on you or the events of life that come on your family members leave you feeling powerless? Like, I, I can't do anything about this. Number two, I want you to think about this. When you are in the midst of the storm, it is natural to try to do everything you can to survive in the storm. It's natural to do that. It says that they came in verse number 16 under an island called Clauda. Listen, that's 23 miles from where they began, like that. They were driven off course, 23 miles by the fierceness of the storm. They tried to salvage. The first thing they tried to do is they salvaged the ship's rowboat as we maybe would know it. It was a small boat that was normally towed along behind to maybe work with the maneuvering of the large ship or, or used for landings and various things of that nature. So the first thing that they did is they tried to salvage that. They brought it up to where they could use it if need be. Then it says in verse number 17 that they used helps. They... They did uh, something to support the ship. It may be they ran cables underneath and, or ropes and strengthened the ship. They did what they could to try to ensure that the ship was going to make it through. Now, um, I don't want to get off on this, but the word that's used there, helps, is only used one other time in the New Testament. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. They used helps to try to undergird this ship. They were fearful. Verse 17, if you look at it again there as, as just making some comments, it, it says that when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, the, 
study I did uh, there about the quicksand showed that it was this, the sandbars, the shallow gulfs. It was the, literally the word is the Sirtis that was on the northern coast of Africa. And, and so they were fearful lest they should go. And this was over 400 miles. Here's the point. They didn't realize or know just how fast they were moving. They were totally lost at sea. They feared that coast there near Libya, as modern-day Libya, and they feared it because it was known as the sailor's graveyard. Here's what they did in verse number 18. They, they uh, jettisoned some of the items that were on the boat. They were throwing cargo overboard. Not all of it. They still had some of the wheat that was their... That was the reason they were traveling. That was a financial trip that they were on. But they began throwing cargo overboard. And because, listen, at that point, because the storm came on, they were not concerned about their financial prosperity as much as they were just simply concerned that they might survive. Storms have a way of helping you to evaluate what's really important in life. When you get that phone call and you're on your way up to the emergency room, it's amazing how that changes your perspective about whatever it was you were going to do that day. When the storms of life hit, it is right to do everything you can to survive. If it's a health situation, I believe it's right to listen to doctors and to try to cooperate with them and even go to drastic measures in form of treatments or surgeries or whatever it is. I mean, I think you need to enter into that, of course, prayerfully and with, with sound advice and opinions and all those things. But listen, God made us to want to live. If it's a financial reversal, I think it's right that, that, you know, if things have been reversed, maybe that you take a second job and, and prayerfully so, or maybe have a garage sale and sell anything that's not moving around the house, you know, and you know what I mean by that? And, and just downsizing and dropping extra expenditures. I mean, getting rid of cable and getting rid of this and getting rid of that. I mean, just casting things out just to survive when the storm hits. Listen, it's, it's in us to do whatever we can to make it that's right to do. That makes sense to do. Verse 20. But the length and the severity of the storm can bring you to the point of desperation. Look at it, verse number 20. It says there that and when neither sun nor stars in many days. Can you imagine this? Many days they, neither, they didn't see the sun, they didn't see the stars. Why would this be overwhelming to them? Well, obviously, I mean, just the light of day. And I mean, I, I haven't been in parts of Alaska where they don't see the sun uh, for many days. And, and uh, you know, all the desperation and hopelessness that comes with that, the suicides that are all part of that. I mean, really, we're blessed to have the sun. But here, think about it. Here they were, men at sea. The only way they knew how to navigate was by the stars. So they hadn't seen the stars in many days. They hadn't seen the sun in many days. They had no idea where they were. No small tempest lay on us. That means that it was a big storm. And then the word lay on them. It, it was literally, it was on them. And listen, and it did not pass. 
You know, here in Oklahoma, we get used to some thunderstorms. But if you can just hang on a while here in Oklahoma, they just move on through, typically. But this is a situation where there was no let up. Night and day, it was on them. Are there not situations in life that just can lay and weigh on you? Some of you have been to the doctor so many times. Some of you, and we've visited you up at the hospital so many times, you think they ought to have a room just designated for you. It gets, it gets to feel that way, doesn't it? Everybody in the doctor's office knows you. All the nurses know you. Every shift knows you. You've tried every treatment. You've gone through all kinds of things. You've been pricked, poked, and all kinds of stuff to try to figure out what's going on. And they've tried this, and they've tried that. And... And now you've missed so many days at work because of your health and everything's just totally far away from the island called normal. Or maybe it's a prolonged situation at work or a pro prolonged situation at home or a lengthy court case that just seems like it's never going to end. Hey, I'm just simply saying that when your situation does not seem to improve, and I'm not speaking from experience here, in my own life in, in particular. I know others that have been through some of these times, but when your situation does not seem to improve, it is easy to begin to lose hope. And they did. The sailors did. These experienced men said, there's no hope. We're going down. They hadn't eaten. You know things are bad if men haven't eaten in many days after long abstinence. Why didn't they eat? Well, I mean, really, they didn't even have a chance probably to prepare a meal like they normally would. It was all hands on deck just trying to hold on. But then I would imagine with that ship going back and forth like it was and they were anxious, maybe too anxious to eat, maybe too seasick to eat. They hadn't eaten in many days. It was at that time Paul stood forth. Verse 21. And he said, you should have listened to me. I don't think he was necessarily rubbing it in, maybe just a little bit, but not like grinding it in. But he was saying, you know, you ought to listen to me. You know, I think it's true. You ought to listen to your preacher. You ought to listen to your pastor. There are a lot of storms that you actually could avoid if you just listened to what the man of God said. Yeah. You say that's stretching it. Maybe, but still. I know some situations separate from this that it's true that if somebody had listened, I know some situations, okay, I'll just talk about me. I know some situations in my life, if I had listened to what so-and-so said, gave me good godly counsel, I would have avoided a whole lot. Paul said, you should have listened to me. But then he just quickly went on in verse number 22 to say this. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer. I love those words. Be of good cheer means this. Cheer up. Cheer up, he says. Keep your courage. Come on, men. Cheer up, he says, as they're rocking and reeling. Can you imagine? I mean, he's saying this. It's not like they came to a calm. No, the wind was still howling. The waves were still bashing into the ship. They had thrown out everything they felt like they could at this point. They're actually going to throw out more. It's not like things were calm. And Paul is saying, be of good cheer. What's wrong with this guy? No, it's not what's wrong with this guy. It's what right, what's right with this guy. 
He says, be of good cheer. Keep your courage. There's not going to be a loss of, of the ship. And, and here's why he said, there stood by me. I love the word. The word literally is beside or alongside. One stood. There stood by me this night. In this situation, it was not the Lord himself, but it was his angel, the angel of God. Which angel? I don't know. But an angel of God stood by Paul and assured him that he would make it to Rome, basically saying this, it's going to be just like Jesus said, Paul. Remember what he told you when he stood by you that night when you were in that point of desperation in your own life and things were looking rather bleak and you didn't know how things were going to go? And listen, maybe there was nobody else that could have been around Paul, but the Lord was right there with him. And he said, Paul, it's going to be this way. I'm going to take you from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. Listen, he had the word of God in the midst of the storm to come back to and to come back to and to come back to and say, it looks pretty bad right now, but I know I can trust God. Paul encouraged them to be of good cheer because he trusted that God would fulfill his promise despite the presence of the storm. I like this thought. The point of their desperation was not too much for God. Even though it looked bleak for them, it was not bleak for him. God stands by, by us and speaks to us in those times of desperation. Paul had courage. Others had fear. Paul had peace. Others had anxiety. He had courage in the midst of the storm. Why? He knew that the storm did not separate him from the presence of and the purpose of God in his life. There are those here tonight who have been caught by a storm. Your life is way off course in terms of normal life. The way that you've known it and enjoyed it. You have done or you are trying to do all that you know to do. You're taking care of a parent. You're taking care of a spouse. You're taking care of a child. You've done all that you know to do. Maybe the doctors have done all they know to do. And maybe the length, the ongoing nature of this has brought you to a point of just desperation. Can I use the words of Paul to you tonight? Be of good cheer. The storm does not have to end for God to be in control. The storm does not have to end or be calm for you to know God's presence. The storm does not have to be still for you to hear the still, small voice. The storm does not in any way separate you from the presence of God. 
the storm does not in any way separate you from the purpose of God. The storm brings you to a place where you can say, I believe God. If he brings me through this, I'm going to praise him. If he doesn't bring me through this, I'm going to praise him, only I'm going to do it in his presence. I can trust him. I've enjoyed hearing this testimony of some that are in the midst of the storm. Even though they're going through the storm, there's a certain peace about them that I haven't seen outside of believers. Why is that? We have the presence of the Lord. Some of you recently have lost someone that's very dear to you. Can I say to you, their passing does not separate you from God's presence and God's purpose for your life. Go on trusting him. Paul said, I believe God. I'm going to trust him through it all. Tonight, I hope from this brief insight and look at this text that you see storms may catch me unaware. I didn't see this coming. I didn't want this. I wasn't looking for it. I was headed this way and it caught me and it seized me and it's taken me out and, and I'm way off course from normal. I sure would like to just get back to life like it used to be. And listen, it may get that way. It may not. I have no idea and no way of assuring anybody of that, but I can assure you of this tonight. God is still sovereign. He is still present. His word is still true. His promises are reliable and you can trust his grace Amen. and it's not wrong for you to pray God please heal or God please help Paul prayed God please remove this thorn and God chose not to in his life but here's what God did choose to do he said Paul my grace will be sufficient for you yeah. and so father tonight we thank you that in the midst of life's storms you are present with us you have a purpose for us. And we know that ultimately, in a proper application even of Romans 8, 28, is not, not necessarily that everything's just going to turn out like we'd like for it to, but that a proper application is that your grand purpose in life is to conform us to the image of your dear Son. And you use storms in our lives to bring us into a place of being molded and changed into his image. Father, I do pray for those going through a storm tonight. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that they just day by day would know the peaceful presence, your peaceful presence in the midst of the storm. I pray that you'd help them here tonight. Help us to be an agent of help and hope, like an encourager that Paul was to say, be of good cheer, to be with them. God, help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together tonight.